Hey, Real Talkers, Quick Dick McDick is one of Canada's most watched YouTubers. Millions of people have watched his videos on farming, politics, cooking, and more. And he's the only Real Talk guest, as far as we know, who's released a video of themselves taking a poop in the woods. The man they call QDM joins us live from his farm in Saskatchewan to talk about the future of Prairie New Democrats, the impact of the carbon tax on family farms, a life-saving rescue involving his buddy, and his booming stand-up comedy career. This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. You know, sometimes on this show we talk politics, sometimes we talk industry, sometimes we talk about real life. We'll talk to stand-up comedians. Every once in a while we'll, we'll get into it with somebody that has a little dirt on their boots or under their fingernails, maybe even a callus or two. Well, on this episode of Real Talk, we're ticking off all the boxes. In just a second, we're going to check in with one of our favorite content creators across the country he's one of canada's most watched youtubers he's a stand-up comedian performing in front of sold out audiences and he's a farmer too in real life in this episode of real talk we say hello to quick dick mick dick that's coming up in 30 seconds but first we wanted to let you know that this episode is happening with the support of business career college and they've got a message for those of you that are now into the first month of 2024 with a plan to shake things up you're looking to do something a little bit different you're looking for a rewarding and high paying career but there's only one problem you don't have a university degree well guess what doesn't matter because you can get started as an insurance professional with Business Career College. In Canada, insurance agents are making great salaries and all you need to do to get into the mix is take an approved course and pass your licensing exam. Business Career College offers industry-leading approved courses in life insurance, property and casualty insurance, plus they offer expert instructors that are passionate about helping you launch your new career. They want to see you succeed. Right now, there's a great deal for real talkers. You can save 15% on any BCC insurance course, any course, using the code REALTALK. That's all one word, REALTALK. When you get started today, at businesscareercollege.com. We're going to be going live to Saskatchewan in just a second, but if you're one of the few Canadians that doesn't quite know who we're talking about here, the guy they call QDM, Quick Dick McDick, here he is, a video of his just a few weeks ago. Now, I know we're through the holiday season, but this was so good. We just had to play. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Sure, it's dark out for so long, but winter is soon gone, so we don't change our clocks like we're weird. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the hab happiest season of all. When it's not minus 40, no plugging in Morty, and I wash blue ball. Hey, blue ball, it's the half happiest season of all. The cows need to be fed, but we don't need to bed, because there isn't very much snow. And these steers all look gnarly, eating silage and barley. Just look at those bastards grow. 
wonderful time of the year. Well, it's been a warm snap. I can wear my ball cap without freezing my ears. It's the most wonderful time of the Slide needs mowing. Lunch is steak and boiled eggs and some cheese. Makes my fart smell so bad in this big tractor cabin. And soon I'll have to shit in the trees. It's the most wonderful time of the year. So just turn off the news and go find you some booze and then drink it with those you hold dear. It's the most wonderful time. It's the most wonderful time. Yes, the most wonderful time of the All right, for the benefit of those on the podcast, we can state without hesitation that is officially the first time we have ever featured a real talk guest taking a shit in the woods on camera. Just one of the many things that sets quick dick McDick apart as we say hello on this Thursday morning. Good to see you, pal, and a happy <laughs> new year to you. Hey, it's good to see you. Yeah, same to you and anybody that's tired of listening to Christmas carols. I'm sorry <laughs> had to just listen to that. You know, I knew I knew that there was a bit of a risk in opening with a Christmas carol. You want to start strong. You as a video creator, one of Canada's best, you already know that, but I just thought that it was custom. It was so good, and it kind of shows people that might be new to you what you're all about. Quick little snippets <laughs> and vignettes shot while you're actually out working your actual farm. Yeah, it's uh, so yeah, I actually uh, I'm lucky enough to farm here in Saskatchewan uh, with a guy named Mark uh, on the bar our ranch. Yeah, and uh, we've got what together we have about 400 head of cattle and farm 4,200 acres. And yeah, it's uh, it, it's I'm, re- I'm really lucky. Thanks for your kind words, man. But uh, I'm just really lucky to be able to, to showcase the farm and kind of what we do in Saskatchewan and uh, <laughs> you know, not take not take life too seriously all the time. And I, I don't know, it's just important to do stuff like that. I, yeah, sometimes I put myself in precarious situations in this case, uh, shooting in the woods kind of thing, because you know, whether you want to admit it or not, we've all done it. And, uh, the most important person to laugh at is yourself, uh, before you get any business laughing at anybody else. Right. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I've, I've, I've never opened an episode talking about my own personal experience shitting in the woods in the first five minutes, <laughs> but I will say anybody that follows me on Instagram or knows me in real life knows that I'm an avid backcountry hiker. We've got a group called the journeyman social club, and we try to get out on a, on a big adventure at least once a summer. And I would actually argue, um, I, I would almost even suggest you should retract your whether you want to admit it or not, because in some circumstances, there's nothing better than shitting in the woods. Can we both agree? It's it's really getting back to nature. But I mean, depending on the on the woods that you're in, you always want a shoulder check just to make sure there's not something that's going to catch you with your pants down at a time where you need to be running away. You know what I mean? In your your neck of the woods around your ankles. Yeah. In in your neck of the woods, what would that that be a porcupine? What would what would be about (laughs) as bad as it gets? It, it really, and if it's a porcupine, you can do the penguin shuffle and get away from one of those things. They don't move that fast, you know what I mean? You just definitely don't want to sit on one. But if it's a badger or something like that, I mean, yeah, 
just check what hole you're shitting in, I guess. Yeah, I guess so, good. right? Uh, hey, well, listen, we're grateful to have you here. Uh, as we tweeted yesterday, uh, also grateful. We don't always let people know. We don't sort of like pull back the curtain all the time on the talk shows and let people know how frequently guests get shuffled and bumped. But we had you slotted in on Wednesday. And then Alberta's former premier, Rachel Notley, leader of the NDP for, for the past decade and a half, essentially, announces her retirement. So we kind of shake things up. Here you are on the Thursday instead. Um, you're certainly one of the more prominent independent political commentators in the country and definitely <laughs> in the province of Saskatchewan. What, what, what's your assessment? What's your take on Rachel Notley's political career? Well, I, I mean, uh, it's it's been a long career, right? I, uh, I worked oil and gas in Alberta right up until 2019. I was up in the peace country uh, for 16 years, you know, so there was a lot of uh, a lot of Rachel Notley's policies that I didn't agree with at the time. At the time, I guess I didn't really follow politics as close as I do now, you know. Uh, but I mean, it's not easy for anybody to be in politics. I think the writing was on the wall that eventually uh, uh, the NDP was going to have to replace their leader in in Alberta. You know, she she ran a, a ran a good election campaign in the last campaign and gave Danielle Smith a run for her money, and it, it was a tight race, right? But uh, I don't know. I it just it's hard to be in politics, and I, and I wish her well in whatever she goes into. And I'm curious to see who's going to be the next leader of the NDP. I was I was very intently watching your episode yesterday to see if anybody was going to drop some big bombs and uh, yeah. and I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to watch and see what happens with the NDP here in Alberta now. Yeah, thanks um, thanks for checking out the episode. Everybody's kind of playing their cards pretty close to their chest yesterday, right? Yeah. right? Because you've got a former cabinet minister, Mark McQuaig Boyd, on the show, former energy minister, and you know she's got probably several former colleagues that are thinking about or have decided on seeking the job and then leah ward's in the house and 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 leah i'm almost certain uh has picked her candidate and will be working well, on guaranteed, a but i mean nobody's gonna say it on real talk you know no. what i mean because yeah uh, yeah like i i get it right but uh yeah and sorry keep going that, that well was i was gonna say but you know and you know we're behind the scenes as well talking to all the favorites going if you'd like to announce on Real Talk, we would like to set the stage for you. So so it's kind of, it's like, you know, when I say an exciting time, I'm not indicating whether I do or don't support the party. I'm just saying that that when a province is looking at a leadership race for one of its top two political parties, it's going to stir up some interest. It's going to create some noise. And I'm curious to know if that if that spills over into Saskatchewan. I mean, people know, and, and we could even talk about Manitoba as well with Wab Canoe's big win. Yeah. But like when I think of growing up in Saskatchewan, I mean, growing up next to Saskatchewan, but the years I grew up as a 77 born, it was NDP government in Saskatchewan. The most famous NDP politician in Canadian history, Tommy Douglas, was in Saskatchewan. But you look right now, Saskatchewan party's got appears to be a stranglehold. Am I right? Yeah, it, it is. And like, I, I, I personally think it's an issue. I mean, you look at the at the three prairie provinces that we have here right now, you know, I mean, our, our biggest two splits are basically, you know, a, a conservative party that progresses in, in uh, Manitoba there was PC and they got uh, they they got schooled bad Big in time. Manitoba and they des- and they deserved it. Uh, their election campaign was one of the worst I think I've ever witnessed in a, in a long, long time. Um but Saskatchewan as well, you know, yeah. So the SAS party does have a stranglehold here in Saskatchewan, and I, uh, I, I like, I think that's a bit of a problem, you know, because uh, with respect to uh, with respect to our NDP here in in Saskatchewan, I don't really think that they're a very strong uh, opposition uh, to the SAS party, and I think what what makes good government is having strong opposition uh, to to keep them accountable. 
So SAS party's basically got, I mean, a, a better part of the vote share. Uh, Scott Moa is like one of the one of the best premier ratings, approval ratings in Canada, which at times I, I there's times where I wonder why. And there's times where I'm like, OK, yeah, I get it. Right. But, uh, you know, I was uh, I was hoping to see somebody from from Ryan Miley to Carla Beck. Uh, I, I was hoping to see somebody that, that would challenge uh the SAS party a little better. Uh, Trent Witherspoon is one in Saskatchewan. I mean, that's that's a guy to really watch. I think he's a really good politician. He's got some good policy. And I mean, specifically because I've kind of dealt with him a little bit and he handles some hunting policy in, that, uh, in, a, in a good way. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of heavy hitters, I think. And we just seem to be status quo and we get a weak leader in opposition. And then mm. it, it just doesn't take anything for your government to just kind of keep steamrolling everybody. I'm going to uh, sorry about that. Step on your toes yeah, there quick, ahead. Dick. I, I, I was looking at this uh, this tweet from Scott Moe over the weekend. Obviously, I think probably everybody in Canada was paying attention to what was happening in Alberta with our grid. Just about. I mean, they're just, you know we were pushed to the brink of rolling blackouts in the energy capital of Canada. It's a bit of a tough look for yeah. Alberta. And so everybody's wondering what the hell uh, and how do we fix it? An opportunity for Saskatchewan to help their Western neighbors. And the Premier of Saskatchewan tweets that Sask Power uh, providing 153 megawatts of electricity to Alberta, he says, to assist through this shortage, points out the Premier of Saskatchewan a politician's gonna politic he says that Absolutely. power that, you know that power is and what an opportunity for him by the way but he says that opportunity he says that power will be coming from natural gas and coal-fired plants the ones the trudeau government is telling us to shut down which we won't that from the premier yeah. of saskatchewan that that kind of messaging is obviously resonating well with people in saskatchewan what do you, do you yeah. think it's do you think it's like is it directly tied to the affordability crisis? What do you think it is that that has his popularity so high? It like isn't isn't that what we, I mean? Like isn't that what our our Western provinces do? I mean, we're 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 yeah, oil and gas and and all these all these great resources that we have. I mean, it's one thing I think that we're really missing out on at this point in time in Saskatchewan is being able to capitalize on the on the on the horizon of of uranium and nuclear power that we're going to be headed into here. You know, but. Um, at the end of the day, it, it was it was coal and natural gas that that was able to to help that transmission of those megawatts over to Alberta. But at the same time, I mean, one of Alberta's bigger shortfalls was because it was a couple of natural gas plants that were down. If I'm not incorrect in saying that, right? So, um, and we here in Saskatchewan, we import a lot of electricity from Manitoba. You know, like we've got a standing agreement with Manitoba that we're uh, we're importing hydro from Manitoba. You know, they've got a, an insane amount of the electricity grid in Manitoba is incredible with the amount of hydro that they run. Um, I don't think it's smart for us to continue to shut a lot of our uh, our energy resource. Uh, uh power generations uh down here in saskatchewan uh you know decommissioning coal they brought i think it was bounder dam four they brought back online which is a coal plant you know um it's great to have these things for backup they're reliable you know they generate hot heat you had a, yet another couple of great guests that were talking about it a few days ago there i think but uh we we, we can't dance around the fact that if you look at how renewables have been performing through these cold snaps it just hasn't been that great i mean solar did i think bring you guys out of a out of a tight spot there the next morning after you guys uh, issued that power alert um so like there is a place where all of a sudden you know something can bring it back out and we get some solar on or we get some wind on kind of thing but uh nothing makes people look at a power grid like minus 45. well that's you know? the thing and and like you know like nobody no premier or for that matter nobody i mean like you literally uh former minister mcquake boyd says this yesterday she goes like in that temperature it could literally be a matter of life and death so you're not you know when yes. when when the province asked people 
to, to cut usage. It was amazing to see Blake Schaefer, this economist, put about a, a bunch of graphs out and you saw the, the demand just plummet because people got the message and were yeah. shutting down their exterior lights. and all the, the only people that didn't really were the high rises downtown that were just lit up like Christmas street. They don't give a fuck. Oh, I saw but, that. But I mean, like, so, so take that situation and uh, I, I, I can't name drop, but I've got, uh, I, I, I know people in Calgary and uh, I know people that work for, you know, some energy efficiency companies and, and things like that. And I, there's, there's times where we have something like this go on, you know, so here we are at minus 45 and, uh, and the downtown skyline is lit up, you know, and all of a sudden people are looking at that downtown skyline being like, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Like, why are all these lights on? But what, like, why does it take uh, an episode of minus 45 where everybody's like, Hey, all of a sudden everyone's looking like you start talking, rolling brownouts to different places in minus 45, it's, your furnace goes off. You get the power back. Maybe your furnace isn't going to light again. You know yeah. what I mean? Like these, are, these are big power disruptions and we are talking life and death. You know, minus 45 is, is a horrendously horrible temperature to be out in. And, uh, and nobody wants to freeze to death, right? You know so. what, though, honestly, like I, when we got that message, uh, like everybody did, it was like the it was like the Amber Alert type thing comes up on your phone. It's kind of shocking, and when you see it, um, I don't know if you actually saw the warning, but part of me was like. Did the premier staffers write this? Uh, because I don't know if you saw, but the very first thing it says to unplug was electric vehicles. Electric cars, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, come on. But yeah. but they did mention block heaters as well. I'll make my point real quick. It did prompt me to immediately do a quick on-the-fly audit of the power that our household was using at that time. And I, I was a little bit embarrassed. And we went yeah. around and shut down a couple bedroom lights. We turned. We have automatic lights on the exterior of the house. We ch- turned those off. A few things that were like small steps. But if four and a half million people do it, uh, all of a sudden you go, whoa, you know? Absolutely, yeah. And that's uh, it, there's so many different things that we can do, you know, to to reduce power usage. And a lot of them are very simple. I mean, just just from switching your light bulbs over to LED to you know running smart thermostats and everything. There's a, there's a there's a list of them that we can do and should do. And it shouldn't take a, a minus forty five night for all of us just to all of a sudden just be like, hey, how much power am I using? I think we should try and always have that in the back of our heads all the time, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, same with gasoline, diesel, natural gas, all that stuff. I mean, this stuff costs money. We, you should if take takes surviving at minus 45 out of it it's just going to be cheaper for you if you use less power and gas and natural gas but i think uh i, I think minus 40 the first thing i think when i walk into my home um after a day out in the cold you know looking after cattle you come in and you know i, I worked oil and gas before i came back to saskatchewan here and i've got a i've got a pretty good understanding of what it takes to to get energy to where we're at and all the people involved in it. And I just, when I, when I open the door to my house, the, the first thing that comes to my mind when I walk in the house is I really hope my furnace is running. And when it is like, I'm thankful that it's warm in my house and I have a warm place where I can come into. And whether it's minus 20 or minus 40, like that's my first thought when I walk into my house, because, uh, no matter how we get our electricity to where we are, electricity is vital to a lot of people's lives. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, you did make the point, but I should make the point as well that in our YouTube live chat right now, a lot of people seem to want to scratch Manitoba on the back. They, they don't want to give Saskatchewan credit for making that power available over the weekend. They're saying, oh, come on. They're saying it was all coming from Manitoba. And then I guess the shit jokes are number one on everybody's list right now because, <laughs> yes. because Lauren says rolling brownouts occur 
every time I open my power bills. <laughs> Nicely done, Lauren. That was very well played. Hey, Quick Dick, one of the, one of the things uh, that, that that I love about what you do, and uh, and obviously you found a huge audience. I know you always kind of get a little bit self conscious when we when we point out that you've got about a hundred and thirty thousand YouTube subscribers, people hundreds of thousands of people watch your videos. You've built an enormous audience in the country. Number one, because you have political opinions. Not everybody agrees with them. That's not the point. How yeah. boring would it be if they did? But also, you're the guy on the ground. You're the guy that's saying, here is how this policy is affecting me on my farm right now. Like this quick snippet from a recent video by our guest on Bill C-234. Essentially, what's going on is there's a couple of senators that are being privately lobbied by Stephen Gibo, our Minister of Environment and Climate Change, who says if there's another carve-out on the carbon tax, he's going to resign, which, to be honest, I can't wait till that day comes or until the government's gone completely. But here's the thing. Canada is responsible for 1.5% of global greenhouse gas emissions. You've heard me say it a million times. It's almost a negligible number. But if you take agriculture specifically within Canada, according to our national inventory report, we're responsible for 10% of Canada's emissions. Yes, the graph says 8%, but then you got to add 2% to account for the fuel that we burn while we do it, right? Thank you for noticing, smarty pants. Meaning that we're responsible for 0.15% of global greenhouse gas emissions. Now, our national inventory report is a whole nother topic because it's an absolute mess. It's just a whole bunch of estimates on what we might think that we emit, and we're not quite sure what we sequester, so we're just going to pull a number out of our hindquarters with a bunch of estimates, best guess of scientists, and we're going to go with that. And running on those numbers, we are going to tax this industry when we try and dry grain or heat barns in the bitter cold. It, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. See, there's kind of some political games going on here. Now, go figure that that would happen because liberals are saying, well, only some farm fuels are subject to carbon tax. But then conservatives are saying, oh, well, if we get rid of the carbon tax on farmers, it's going to make Canadians' groceries cheaper. Well, not really, because when you look at, well, if you want to look at how supply management works, we're going to need a couch and a therapist to get through that. But in all reality, farmers are price takers. We just have to pay the carbon tax because on all of our inputs over here, we start getting pressure on the carbon tax because they're subject to carbon tax. All of our machinery, everything that we use. Then we get charged a carbon tax if we need to heat our barns or if we need to dry our grain. And then over here, we have this pressure from this side of the market where we go to sell it because they're subject to carbon tax and they're only going to give us so much because they need to make a profit too. So we're just kind of the middle people kind that are right here in the middle with all this carbon tax pressure on it. And the only thing it's doing is making us less competitive with some of our biggest competitors on the world market because we export most of what we grow here in Canada anyways. So really... What the carbon tax does to farmers is it makes it hard for us to do business. But that's what the carbon tax does to every business. It puts an expense on you that makes it impossible for you to compete if you deal outside of the borders of Canada. And if you deal inside of the borders of Canada, it just makes absolutely everything more expensive for the citizens of Canada. Am I making sense here? Am I making sense here? Asks Quick Dick McDick in one of his wildly popular videos. You can find him on his YouTube channel. Do you feel like you're like doing a bit of a public service in a way? Like you're actually putting your perspective forth in a way that helps people understand why there might be so many people railing against attacks that can, in protests, come across like nothing more than just an angry mob. 
Yeah, well, I, like I hope so, Ryan. It's uh, <clears throat> you know uh, when you when you unintentionally get a big platform, I, I, I guess if that's what we want to call it, then yeah, it, you know it's it's it, it feels like it's kind of always been my job. And when I go out and see people in real life and do a lot of these comedy shows and do you know fundraisers and different things, a, a lot of people come up to me and be like, you know, you're 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 saying what I want to say, but I can't say it that way. Like I don't know how to say it that way or express it that way, right? Um, and I think that this is kind of turned into a fun, like a fun way, uh, for people to be able to try and, and take in a little bit of the information of, of what I'm trying to get across is doing some cutaway production and actually showing the farm behind me and, you know, showing a couple of trucks driving and launch a drone and take some shots and just try and get your viewer engaged. And then just in a, in a way, I don't always do it this way, but in a way where people can just kind of sit and watch and listen to, to what you're saying in an entertaining matter. I mean, I mean, great. You know, that's, that's kind of the goal of it. Um, you know, I don't always do it that way. Sometimes uh, there'll be times when, uh, when the carve out for the carbon tax in Eastern Canada was announced uh, not long ago. I mean, I did a fast upload uh, from my kitchen table because I'd literally come in from the day from work and then sat down and I was like, yeah, this has got me very upset and I'm going to do a video on it and, and say why, you know? So sometimes uh, I do a different style and, and they seem to do just as good sometimes. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes the ones that you put a lot of production work into just kind of fall flat. But I mean, that's the Internet and that's the way it goes, right? That's the way it goes. So you told us when you were working oil and gas uh, in Alberta, you said you weren't really you know, into politics at that time or you weren't as into politics. I always love hearing from people what it was that, that lit the fire under them. What was it that kind of turned you on to it and, and, and gave you that desire to understand what was happening and, and then form your own opinions and then communicate those opinions and put them out there for public consumption? There was uh, when uh, when Justin Trudeau was elected to office, I mean, obviously, there was a lot of people that were very concerned of what was going to go on. And uh, there was concerns about the future of the oil and gas industry and whatnot. And up until that point in time, you know, you, you just kind of hear snippets here, there, Harper good or Harper bad kind of thing or whatever. And I was just like, man, whatever. I was I was young. I was I was working that they were huge days. And uh, you know, we didn't have we didn't have the connectivity uh, back in the day that we do now. You know, you can really get dialed into what's happening nowadays, depending on, on what platform you're on, I guess, and what you uh, let yourself be exposed to. But um, you know, just just following uh, into 2016 uh, of what was happening and why it was happening and uh, why we were seeing some slowdowns in some different areas and why all of a sudden you know investors were getting nervous about making investments and making big plays. I, I just wanted to understand why. And uh, just kind of started following a little bit closer. And then once you kind of start understanding how a few of these things work or don't work, man, it's uh, it's it's almost a, a depressing thing at times to, to be looking into is politics and how they work or how they don't work. And a lot of people that get into politics, you know, with the. Uh, with, with with the with the goal of changing something or making a difference. And I've heard from a lot of people that get into politics that have now gotten out of politics that are like, I got in and there's just, I, I, I realized that there wasn't really anything I could do to change things just because of how it's structured. Yeah. And so they either settle in and go with the party kind of thing, or they're just like, you know what, this isn't for me and I'm out. Yeah, I mean, this this kind of brings it back to our talk about leadership campaigns. Always fascinating to watch uh, when a party has a, a leadership race because you get all of the candidates talking about why they're so much better than the other ones. And in some circumstances, why the other candidates are lousy candidates. Yeah. And then one of them wins. And then the rest of them all want to be in cabinet or want to be in senior critic positions. <laughs> so so then they start talking about how great the leader is. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and we've seen that in Alberta under Danielle Smith. And I mean, that happens everywhere. It'll, it, it'll happen with the next Alberta NDP leader as well. Um, I, I want to get to our, our live chat because we've got some questions for you. Randy wants oh, sure. to ask you about heating your barn with solar. Uh, somebody wants to ask you about purple gas. Maybe you can talk to us about that. It's a question about sure. the carbon tax. Yeah. We're hanging out with Quick Dick McDick. This conversation is happening with the support of Real Talk uh, partners like our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy talking about solar. You know, one of the only installs that they're able to do in the wind Winter. Jake, their CEO, told me this. I said, do, you, do your whole crews just take the winter off? He goes, no. He goes, anything that's off of roofs, anything on this ground. I go, well, who's installing solar on the ground? He goes, farmers, buddy. So they're out there on farms through the winter getting those solar panels installed. And when that snow melts in the spring, they'll be back up on the roofs of houses and skyscrapers, convention centers, universities, fire halls, you name it. They're Canada's busiest solar installer and they're hiring right now. If you're an engineer, if you're a salesperson, if you're an apprentice or a journeyman, if you're an office administrator and you'd love to work as part of Canada's green energy goals become more and more relevant, you can check out the careers link today at kubienergy.ca. For those of you that are looking for a healthy 2024 for your furry friends, your family members, the dogs and cats that trust you to give them the best possible nutrition, we wholeheartedly recommend Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food. One of their most sought-after items they wanted us to let you know is back in stock. Whole herring. That's right. It's great as a snack or a side for kibble bowls. Omega-3 found in fish like herring is critical when it comes to pups' diets to manage inflammation and support their immune system. You can learn more on their blog. Plus, probiotic are 10% off through the month of January. You can go to the shop now link at granddog.ca. Don't forget, they'll deliver right to your door in Calgary, Edmonton, and Central Alberta. And speaking of 2024 goals, if you have resolved to get organized, to declutter, you know where that starts. It starts with a visit to californiaclosets.ca. That's where you can learn more about their custom closets and storage solutions for the entire home, whether it's an entertainment center, a mudroom, a playroom, Room, a guest room that's doubling as a home office. Maybe it's your garage. California Closets has done thousands of installations across Alberta into the Prairie Provinces based on the input of their customers and the brilliance of their design team. It's a formidable combo. The free consultation starts today at californiaclosets.ca. Quick Dick McDick is our guest. He's joining us live from the farm. The, the uh, comedian, the rancher, the YouTuber. So Randy is watching us right now. Randy works in the solar business. I think he might own a company, as a matter of fact. He says, oh, come on, you guys, the carbon tax. How scary. He says, smart farmers are now. I like that little shot across the bow there, Quick Dick. We'll give you the mic in a sec. He says, smart farmers. Smart farmers are now heating their barns and their grain bins with electricity and solar. He says uh, it equals no high bills from methane. He says, my company has done this countless times over the past six years. Is that something you consider? What's the, what would you respond i'm for, well first of all i'm curious why we're heating grain bins i'm not 100 sure, sure. Uh, unless unless he's talking about running fans or whatever it is e either way either way uh no there's a lot of guys around here that have installed solar arrays and back when sas power was doing a better job at net metering there was a lot more people that were getting in on it uh but when we get down to to like actually heating your barns i've actually looked and doing a well hopefully going to be doing a build here uh shop house combination here uh it, it, next year or maybe the year after we'll see what goes on what the banker tells me here 
But uh, so far, I've had a lot of people back away from me because if if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, yeah, you can do it, and uh, and we can absolutely generate. There's a guy that's just a quarter of a mile away from us that has a solar array just outside of his place, but it doesn't change the fact that when we get down into where we are again, where we need the heat in our barns at night when we're calving, when it's minus thirty, we've got no solar to stand on at that point in time, right? And uh, using electricity to heat a very large building like the size of our calving barns and our shops like that is is a very expensive thing to do if you're paying for the power to do it whereas we have natural gas set up for our dryer and everything else that we have in our yard right now so we find that it's better to be more efficient uh with using that energy that's going to be there for us when we need it all the time right uh sas power has done a, a terrible job if anybody from sas power is watching you guys need to do better um of, of of their metering with solar it used to be net metering where you would get to trade back what you would put back into the grid versus what you would pull from it and now i think they only do seven cents on a kilowatt an hour mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not sure exactly the numbers i haven't checked on it lately but they do a bad job of it right um and uh speaking of solar i'm not anti-solar i think solar is one of the coolest things and uh with uh with the gentleman from kubi there uh, that i had the opportunity to crush a beer with in the real talk studios that's there, right nice uh, reference uh, I'm really excited to follow uh, what he was talking about with trying to trying to look into product of Canada uh, solar panels and solar arrays uh, because a lot of the a lot of the a lot of the products that we get that are in solar panels right now don't come from in Canada they come from places where we don't want to talk about that have high emissions and I'm uh, you can quote me I'll say it right here on on Real Talk you show me a product of Canada solar panel that we made start to finish right here in Canada I'll be the first one not only to put it on my roof but to advertise for it too yeah well and, and I think that and and I don't even know if I'm really allowed to talk about this but now nah, we got QDM on the show so <laughs> so I do know that it's Kubi, just you and me right Kubi, yeah it's just us Kubi is yeah. getting ready to 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 be manufacturing and releasing their own infrastructure. I mean, that company is, is just going like this. Uh, unfor unfortunately, it's a privately owned company for the rest of us. It's unfortunate. Or I'd be investing in that company. But I will say <laughs> this. I know that he got a real kick out of talking to you. And I also know that they would love to send trucks out of Saskatchewan to do your install. So we'll leave it at that oh, for, yeah. for, for right now. But, you know, there are different schools of farmers, right? Like, you know, I've got, you know, obviously my family is big in dairy. I know that everyone gets nervous when people start talking about supply management. They don't want people talking uh, the about dairy cartel. <laughs> the dairy yeah. cartel. Cartel. Uh, and then and then you've got farmers like, you know, I got a buddy, Jeff None, who does an amazing cattle rancher beef, raises uh, a Wagyu Holstein cross beef in Alberta. And it's phenomenal. Ooh. This is a guy like he was talking to me how they're using drywall offcuts to, in an environmentally uh, productive way for fertilizer. I mean, just fascinating, like always trying to get ahead of the trends. He's always got the latest tech. Where would you put yourself on that spectrum of like super old school, traditional or like as tech and forward thinking as it gets? I mean, obviously money would factor in. Yeah, it, like money does factor in to a certain extent, but a lot of the tech that exists nowadays is it offers a very fast ROI, right? Um, and that's where like we do a lot of our, our investments uh, in technology, you know, specifically uh, one of the bigger ones over the last couple of years has been variable rate fertilizer. You know, it, it, it takes a lot and you've got to get a plan and you do like massive amounts of soil testing and create different zones throughout your farm and then create a, a prescription for it. And then you have to have all your sectional control um, all your variable rate uh, uh, control valves on your units and uh, obviously precision GPS to make it all work. But I mean, it's it's something that uh, that that we're already doing here in agriculture that, you know, you, you're starting to see a lot of federal policy trying to say, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to try and use 30 percent less fertilizer when that's our that's already our goal. And that's what everybody's already doing. Right. So they're kind of late to the party when it comes to that. Um, 
But I think generationally, I think this is a really, really cool time. Drone technology is another, you know, a good and bad thing. I think that's that's going to be coming at us here in the next few years. That's going to be a real game changer, too, in, in the use of uh, of pesticides and herbicides and stuff like that. Uh, uh, the PMRA here in Canada right now uh, has some some regulations that prevent people from using drones from certain uh, product applications. I had a guy with Landview drones uh, out of actually out of the Camrose area there come out and did some uh, some testing and some demonstrations on on some plots that we have out here with some with some on brand foliar fertilizers and stuff. And it's just going to be a game changer. Uh, you know, eventually we're going to get to the point where people aren't going to have to buy a million point two dollar sprayer where you can have a couple of these fifty thousand dollar drones kicking around just push go on them and they use plant identification and recognition and they just go out and spot spray what needs to be taken care of and you know it's just another thing that's going to not only cut down your wheel tracking you'll have better yields when you use them but it's it's going to cut your workload in half you know you're going to be able to pull a trigger on these things and then go do something else while they're looking after a job that you would normally have to be there to babysit and all encompassed with this you're going to be able to cut the the use of of your product some, some in some instances in half you know so it's just really cool stuff that's happening right now but i mean obviously like the problems with a lot of these things we're seeing a few states uh down in the united states there that are actually banning um you know drones that are uh that are getting firmware updates from uh, from chinese servers and whatnot because here you are with a drone that's uh that's been manufactured in china and we're uh we're using them here and we're basically sending them the recipe for what we're what we're using to grow food and what we have for crops and i mean that's maybe not the best uh information be sending you know, to honestly, somebody that might part, turn into an enemy part part of me goes oh come on uh that's a total you. conspiracy theory and then part of me goes it kind of makes sense I yeah i feel like even so, so so take that out of it so so let's take that part out of it but uh uh, there's lots of companies out there right now that do it right now. John Deere is one of them, Bobcat, Tesla. Uh, there's a few bigger companies out there right now that you've got this technology and it's technology that you've made an investment in on your farm. And now your crop plan for the next year uh, banks on you having this technology and using this technology. And when the calendar flips, all of a sudden you have a big corporation that's saying, hey, oh, by the way, there's there's that user fee. Uh, that you need to use all this technology. And we actually, you know, we doubled it this year. So you're going to have to pay it to use the technology that you have and bought and the equipment. It's basically going to be useless unless you get this update. So if you could pay us, that'd be great. And I think, you know, outside of farming with anything that we use with technology right now, um, the subscription fees, I think, are going to be a thing that we really got to keep an eye on no matter what industry we're in. Yeah. Uh, on our live chat, Jillian uh, says the dairy cartel, where was her comment? She says is an example. Uh, where did it go? Our live chat is like booming right now with you on the show, dude. I'm, right like, I'm losing the uh, the conversation here. She basically said basically that the dairy cartel is, is working because of Quebec. That was her argument. She says it's a voting block that no politician dares anger. So that was an interesting one. And then we had a comment here from Christian who says, I have never met a farmer with a beard that pampered. What, <laughs> what's the secret? I, I showered this morning, um, oh. believe it or not, once a week, whether I need it or not. Uh, but yeah, if you see this thing after pulling two calves during calving season, it it's very different. It looks very different. Uh, uh, but yeah, I'm actually, I'm headed to, as soon as we're done here, I'm actually closing my laptop, throw it in the truck. I'm loaded up, ready to go here. And I'm headed to uh, Kindersley uh, to do a Kinsman fundraiser here for the next two nights. So oh, wow. I showered and get myself ready before this so that I can head out in the, in the in the cold weather warning to head to kinder sleep. So. Hey, talk, talk to me about this, your, your comedy career. I mean, a, a lot of people, you know, refer to you as a YouTuber because obviously you've got a big following there and that's where a lot of people find you. But but you do tour 
as a stand-up comic and and from what I've seen and following you on social media, you're 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 selling out like thousand-person halls like that, that. And it looks like the, your rider has at least four cans of pill on stage as well. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, talk to me about the stand-up yeah. comedy side of things. It's that's not an easy gig. You know, man, I never, ever would have thought that this is where things were going to go for me. I, I never, ever would have imagined that, you know, the YouTube channel would do what it's done. But to, to get the chance to go do stand-up comedy kind of happened. This whole thing's happened by accident. And the comedy thing happened by accident, too. Uh, I was just trying to provide entertainment for Sheho, Saskatchewan, just a couple of miles down the road here. They were just having a, you know, a 200-head uh, fundraiser for their rec board one night. And they're like, hey, would you come in and do something? And uh so I kind of I kind of wrote this uh, this this bit this gig and I just, it's just kind of turned into a thing and then all of a sudden um, I, a lot of people started reaching out to me being like hey would you come and do it here would you come and do it here and so you know whenever I've got the chance and I got the time to leave the farm uh, thanks again to Mark for uh, feeding all of my critters while I'm gone yeah. <laughs> um, it's uh, I, I've I've had the chance to be able to come and start doing some of this stuff, and uh, it's almost turned into an addiction. I really, really enjoy doing stand-up comedy, and I never would have thought that that'd be a thing I'd ever say. And man, I've uh, yeah, I've added the guitar to the show, and uh, it's just it's an absolute blast, you know. And people never know what to expect. And what the clip you're playing there is actually the only clip of my live show that uh, you'll ever see online anywhere, just because it's uh it, it's meant for live and in person yeah. and it's content you've never heard from quick dick before and it, it'll surprise you what we talk about and what all of us have in common and how we grew up you know and and different things that happen in small towns that people even in the middle of the city are like i know that's how i grew up yeah and it's uh, it's been a blast and i've, I've had i've i've had the I've had the opportunity and, and the privilege to be able to do a lot of fundraising on behalf of a lot of different organizations just by everyone coming out and drinking beer and, and laughing. So like, Love it. When, when do you ever get a chance to do that in life? I don't know. I don't I'm know, man. Lucky. Well, and, and let me also say that like for, for people, well, let me read this comment first. Brittany's watching and, and Brittany says being from ag, uh, I'll admit I've never watched any of quick Dick's videos, but I can see now why they're so popular. He's able to clearly articulate his points and address many issues that we're experiencing. And now this is me talking, not Brittany, even for the people that think you're an idiot, you're very likable. And so that's great as well, because I don't know, we talk about this all the time, man, is how everything is so polarized. I know I'm not offering anything profound right now, but it gets to the point where you feel like if somebody feels differently than you do about the carbon tax or about whatever, you name it, that it's war, right? And that that you're not going to be friends. You're definitely not going to have the people on your talk show and invite them to your Christmas party. And I just don't subscribe to that. And I know you don't either. And I guarantee some of your biggest fans, and we've been in broadcasting for 20 years, Johnny and I, we talk about hate listens all the time. Some of your most loyal fans will be the ones that just can't wait to tell you what a jerk you are. Oh, yeah. And in the comment section on every video, there's usually a handful that are there. You know what I mean? But whatever. That's that's social media. You post something on social media, Brian, it doesn't matter what it is. It can be a picture of a kitty cat. And there will be somebody will go down below and be like, oh, what is that? Some kind of liberal kitty? I'm like, oh, please. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, but um, yeah, you know, yeah, Max Fawcett's a good example. You know, Max invited me to come on the Maxed Out podcast, and him and I have had some, you know, uh, uh, public disagreements on Twitter. Who, like, who hasn't, right? Sure. But I mean, 
I'm never afraid to sit down. And like Max and I had a chat and, and straight up, Max, if you're watching, I've, we're drinking a beer next time I come to Calgary. I told you we're going to do it. We're going to do it. You know what I mean? We might not agree on everything, but we found some stuff that we agreed on and, you know, realized that neither of us are real monsters kind of thing. And, uh, you know, there just needs to be more of that in the world. You know, well, it's like you say, it's just we just live in these silos where we just don't want to hear anyone else's opinion and we don't want to talk about it. And and that's a it's it's a terrible thing for society you know where in some instances social media can be our best friend sometimes it's our worst enemy right yeah i totally agree i if, if the two of you ever wind up in edmonton together as well i'd love to make those beers happen that's kind of the the mantra that's kind of like the whole vision behind the real talk studio it and doubles it's a, as it's a, a studio cool but, like, you I'm know gonna, it's I'm a bar walk over right? here for one sec oh, sorry go ahead no you go ahead okay so like, and that's the one thing I will say, I'll pump your tires a little bit, but that's, I, uh, the, I first started listening to real talk. I was actually looking for, uh, I, I needed some alternative opinions on, on EVs. Cause uh. one of the biggest things I try and do is to, is to get outside of my silos that we create on social media and you have to physically do that yourself. And, uh, you had someone on this was like this would have been almost two years ago here i think uh and i remember it i was i was building fence and i was just scrolling through and i found this podcast and i and i i amped it up and i was listening to it while i was building fence uh, on my earbuds and i was like hey this is a really cool talk show man like they got just the kind of different opinions from everywhere and, and i think more people need to do what you're doing man it's you just you you bring both sides on and and have conversations and that's an important thing i appreciate that uh, when you started talking about like 10 minutes ago subscription services and stuff like that yeah. uh I, i'm a city slicker but i did for a second think i was like what is that bullshit that farmers can't fix their own stuff what is that and then sure enough noob try again shows up in the chat and says you gotta ask quick dick about right, right to repair. repair and that's yeah. that's right to so can you take us into that so like like I don't have I haven't been following it that close, but essentially what it is, you have uh, a lot of these corporations, and this one it would be the U Bastard Tractor Company is what I like to call them. Sure. Um, is that the red? Is that the green one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're green and yellow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, essentially it's it's proprietary software that that they have, and uh, their their techs are the only people that have it. So if you have a lot of this equipment that has this new technology, new software, and it kind of thing, the only people that have it is John Deere. And so uh, whatever I said, John Deere, it is what it is. I'm not lying to you. So. Um, the only way that you can get it fixed is if you have a, an approved tech from a John Deere dealership come out with that proprietary software and fix it, right? So you don't have the opportunity. Say you use a mechanic, uh, say you use a mechanic that's right close by uh, out of your back door. Say you use Dusty Wrench Ventures at Avoid Minster plug to uh, my brother's mechanic company there. Nice. Um, it, you know, it, at a certain point in time, he's not going to have that proprietary software to be able to come and, and clear this code or make an X amount of thing happen with your tractor because it's firewalled uh, behind this stuff. And I haven't followed exactly where things are at in Canada, but I know down in the U.S. there was a huge, huge uh, uh a lawsuit on this and i believe that john deere lost and uh that uh, now they are actually gonna have to turn over some of that proprietary software so that people have the right to repair their own equipment now whether it's going to be able to go to third-party mechanics or whether it's going to be able to just go to the owner of the equipment I, I haven't looked into it for a while so i mean i i can't really comment on it but that's that's the gist behind it is is a massive corporation that basically owns the software of what you're running and they're the only ones that are going to be able to come and fix it or at some point in time you know let you use it you got to do updates on a lot of this stuff just like your iphone just like anything you know what i mean yeah. and uh subscriptions are, are a dangerous thing um i'll just so i've just been like 
of course, I was giving you my full attention and listening to everything you were saying, but I was also doing just a tiny little bit because I don't know yeah. much about this at all. Um, so I guess Ontario tried this in 2019 and failed. It was a campaign promise by the Trudeau Liberals in 2021 to address right to repair. Um, a bill, what was this C, was it 244, uh, passed in the House of Commons unanimously in October, an act to amend the Copyright Act, which is now, uh, yeah. at the time of this reporting, uh, which was about a month ago before the Senate, they say if that passed is if it gets through the the red chamber it'll allow individuals or third-party repair companies to break digital locks in order to make software fixes so i guess that you know as of a month ago that's where it was that's that's great and, and like it's key and it's not just an egg it's it's also in the transportation sector you know what i mean there's a lot of different uh you know emissions controls that we have on a lot of big trucks that uh that you you just can't fix them without a technician with a laptop kind of thing right and so there you are it's like today you know it's it's we're 40 something with the wind and you're out on the side of the road in a commercial vehicle in your truck waiting for somebody to come with a computer to fix uh something that's frozen up on the side of your truck that's designed to try and make it run and burn cleaner um, and there's there, there's no way that you can bypass it or override it to to get going. You're you're sitting there waiting for a computer, you know. So I think okay. we uh, we need to have a close look at a lot of this technology that we bring in. And I, I mean, our power outage is one example. There's a lot of examples of of uh, worst case scenario and make sure that there's ways to get around them because uh, I don't think we should live in a in a society as as technologically advanced as we are right now and still be susceptible to uh, to freezing. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I'll give credit back. Noob follows up in the chat and says, if you want to learn more about this, check out uh, Lewis Rossman on YouTube. Uh, he's got 2 okay. million subscribers, I guess, and is talking a lot about, I don't know if he's suing John Deere oh, wow. directly hey, or not. Now, there's but... a tractor that I can get behind there. All right? Yeah, the man. Hell yeah. They don't make them like they used to. Yeah, there's no computers on that thing. I can promise you that. <laughs> yeah, well, you can't turn wrenches on anything anymore. Like, there's got to be a, people that know you well, or people that watch all your stuff. Like, you, you, you know, you've got your favorite trucks. I'm, I am like illogically, sentimentally attached to every vehicle in our family. I include them in the family. Yeah. I'm weird, man. They have names. So do yours. Well, uh, I guess we're both weird. Then, but, yeah, that's but fine. But like, man. I, you know, my wife's SUV is is brand new and i had to run an air compressor to, to fill a tire on it the other day and i opened it and i couldn't even find the like i know you can just clamp it to the metal but i was like i'm looking for the ground and i'm like afraid to do anything in this new rig i'm like am i going to short this whole thing out i don't worry about that with my 92 jeep cherokee pal i don't worry about that one bit straight up yeah i bought a i, I got a hold of a uh well, it's just flying around in here it's winter time anyways uh, I bought a, uh, a 98 uh, Ram uh, 2500. I needed a, a, a heavier truck to be able to pull a trailer. You know, I don't drive a big diesel burner around when I'm doing these shows. I got a little eco diesel, you know, that gets nine liters per hundred kilometers uh, that I drive around to my shows. But I got to have a farm truck that actually does the big work and the big jobs. And I was looking at buying a new one. And I mean, it's just the price aside, I mean, a lot of the stuff you just can't fix. And I just found a good deal on an older one and spent, uh, you know, quite a bit of money fixing it up and getting it back in shape. And you got something dependable that you can fix uh, that you don't need a computer to fix. You know what I mean? And that's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I just think those are, those are important pieces of machinery to have around, you know, because uh, we will find it like where you find out really fast of who's got a computer and who doesn't that can, you know, be mobile and come out and zero codes that you have going on. You find that out in the middle Sorry, I'm going to you find that in the bumfuck middle of Saskatchewan real fast. Yeah, no kidding, know. man. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's wild. I, I mean, I can't. It, it's normal. It's normal now that half ton trucks that aren't that great are 85 grand. 
Uh, like three quarter ton, forget about one tons. I mean, if you need a one ton truck, if you need a dually to pull a horse trailer or something like that, you're looking at like the same price as you're paying for Mercedes Benz highest end seven passenger SUV. They're literally the same price. It's bonkers. Absolutely, man. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Hey, so you're going to be, you're going to be hitting the highway. You're on, you're on route to Kindersley, uh, for a show. And, uh, and obviously we will wish you a safe journey, uh, especially on Saskatchewan highways. You had to know there was at least one day coming (laughs) from Alberta, but let me ask you this, uh, as, as I knock on wood, as I ask it, because I know that you'll arrive safe and sound, but, but when I asked you ahead of doing this show, uh, if there was one thing you wanted to talk about or one thing you wanted to mention, you referenced first responders and emergency yeah, personnel. How come? Uh, I really hope my computer doesn't die. I just got a low battery warning. Okay. So if I, if I die, love you guys and if thanks we, for having me. But uh, you bet. so a buddy uh, that's actually uh, that, that was out working in the Drayton Valley area in Edmonton there. This was only a couple of nights ago, uh, minus 42. And he was on the Tomahawk bypass at 1115 p.m. in his pickup truck and lost control, hit the ditch off in the Thule's, knocked unconscious, trapped in the cab at minus 42. His iPhone and Apple Watch sent a crash notification to Drayton Valley First Response, and they sent a police cruiser out there who was on site within uh, less than 20 minutes. Uh, and from the time that his, uh, his his the crash notification was sent between Drayton Valley, uh, Tomahawk, and Parkland Fire, uh, it was just over like minutes over an hour from the time that crash notification came in to the time they had him on route to hospital. Um, I can't say enough how much respect I have for first responders uh, that can go out and do their job on a normal day. But when you go out at minus 42 and you have a response done in just over an hour in a situation like that where you have to cut a guy out of a vehicle, this is what heroes are made of. It really is. That we, is we, think, we, we think that thawing a watering bowl is a big deal at minus 42. We had a fire crew in Saskatoon here the other day putting out a, a, a six-story fire at uh, PNH at minus 45. Uh, people that can operate in these conditions are, are, are heroes. They really are. And I got a lot of respect for them. So if you're out there putting your life on the line as a first responder, um, just, uh, just hats off to you. We, we wouldn't be here without you. You know, I got a buddy that would not be here without you. I got chills so. when you said that. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I'm man. so grateful for your buddy, grateful yeah. for those first responders and everybody. I'm grateful for those that are out there keeping us heated i'm grateful for those that are out there keeping us fed and that includes you quick dick if people want to learn more about what you do i recommend they follow you on twitter at quick dick mcdick subscribe to your youtube channel if they haven't already or check out quickdickmcdick.ca. when i talk to you it's the only time all year i get to use the phrase bunny hugs you can go find t-shirts <laughs> long sleeves gloves yeah, mittens and more on his website I got a great bit on that in my live show and just a fast shout out to uh, to Johnny Infamous there. All the camera switches and stuff that happens in here is just, man, I'm always a fan of, of how you guys make that happen on Real Talk. And I know who's doing it. So yeah, it's off to you, man. Oh, well, thank you, Mr. Quick. <laughs> you can just call him dick it's yeah, yeah. i didn't want to say mr dick <laughs> yeah mr dick is kind of very formal isn't it <laughs> hey, hey listen i'm 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 envisioning a scenario where maybe we get you out to edmonton for a for a stand-up show maybe you come out here to do some sort of farm fair some egg show maybe you come out here you know cfr is coming back to edmonton we'll get you live in studio we'll have a lot of fun with it we'd love to make that happen do it up. There's nothing like breakfast beers, Ryan. Thanks for having me, man. You got it, buddy. That's Quick Dick McDick, uh, one of the most watched YouTubers in Canada, and you can probably see why. I absolutely love when guests of this show, people that work in 
production recognize what you bring to the table and i thought that was a classy move that he just pulled right you there. can venmo me you can paypal me it's <laughs> it's uh, tech at ryanjesperson.com you're gonna set up your own uh, I, Patreon. I accept tips i accept gifts i am not a politician i'll take anything <laughs> i so. love that that first responder story is wild his yeah his iphone did he say his apple watch and his iphone sent mm-hmm. a crash alert yeah as he was knocked unconscious in a vehicle in a ditch. Yeah. Well, I would. I. Uh, wow. I, I. You know. I. You know. I got in an accident a few months ago, and and it was the first time I'd seen it on my phone too. It's just just a rear ending. No, it, nobody it was hurt. Off? I rear ended someone else. But yeah, my crash. It's really. Said, it didn't immediately call, but it asked me if I need emergency services and stuff. And I, I wonder was like, what wow, would I've never if seen you this said before. No, or like if you said like like if you didn't respond. Yeah. At, then it probably would call. It probably would have. Yeah, and I didn't notice like uh, it started because bu- I had it on uh, mute, but it starts buzzing. It starts telling you like I'm gonna call emergency, wow. right? And we weren't even going that fast. Like no airbags went off or anything like that. But I thought, wow, this is. This is something that could really, I'd never seen it before. I'd always heard about, yeah, you know, this new feature, iPhone, iOS, whatever. But and that was the first time it was actually deployed. I'm like, this is really important, right? Uh, uh, let me say, first of all, I'm so glad you're okay in that crash. Uh, second of all, Giants for Life, maybe with the comment of the day in the chat says, uh, upon hearing the story of technology saving Quick Dick's buddy says, thank you, China. Too soon? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. I That's mean, really you good. You can't really avoid. As Quick's talking, I love him. And, and we all want to support. Like, I, well, we go to the grocery store. I look at potatoes. I'm like, these are from Mexico. These are from Canada. These Canada ones are a little more. But this week, I can afford it. I'm going to get the Canada ones, sure. right? And I always try to. But he's on a laptop. It's probably parts from China. And it let, let's well, be honest. Everybody like, knows that. It's unavoidable. It's yeah, unavoidable. It's, everybody knows that. He does. Like, it, when, when he starts talking about the drone thing, um, and I and I saw some people in live chat going, "Oh my gosh, give me a break! Come on, you guys." DJI yeah. makes the best drones in China. <laughs> but but I start, you know, I'm and and part of me is like, you know, there's conspiracy theories that are like just absolute wackadoodle stuff, mm-hmm. and then there's some that are kind of like, you don't know if maybe they deserve the title conspiracy theories. Like when people start talking about security vulnerabilities using TikTok, that's something where most people, because they love TikTok and have fun on it. They just want to brush it off because they don't want to think about it. But that's real, though. Maybe we should think more about that kind of that's stuff. That's definitely real. That's that, and and <laughs> even the censorship I, that not we communism, but we look at like look at TikTok. Like you can't mention. Can you uh, tell vaccines. people about what it's like for you, us? You can't mention drugs. You can't mention. You can't use the hashtag beer. If you do and it does slip by and you get one up, it's going to be buried. So I mean, it pulls our videos all the time. It's not like some conspiracy communism, but things are very tightly run. It, in China, and if you read the, when you sign up for TikTok, it's I, I I mean it's like this for every app you hit. Now, yesterday I was using My Fitness Pal because it's the new year. I'm trying to like watch my calorie intake and stuff. And even their sign up thing has changed. Like they can they can now. There's a third thing they want you to click now, which is like we can we can legally sell your information to other countries. So I mean everything. If you want to use something free and it's an app. You, most likely everything you put on there is going to be it can be sold for a monetary sum and also everything you're putting up on there is being watched and and and, and marginalized in some ways i so. feel like the, the kind of conventional wisdom it's not on, a conspiracy on, it's just how it it's is. just how it is and, and conventional wisdom on this is like if there is no apparent product for sale 
you are the product for sale. 100%. Like, that's a good working knowledge of it. Um, by the way, uh, former minister, former energy minister, McQuake Boyd, who was in the studio yesterday, in the live chat today, says, great show. She says, I lived in rural Alberta for many years, had a cattle operation as well. She says, I really enjoyed the chat today. I'd love to meet Quick Dick in person sometime. Uh, Mark, if he's in Edmonton and we're having a little mixer here, maybe with some Real Talk patrons, you will have an invite. Don't worry about that. I, I thought our episode yesterday, the insights on Rachel Notley's political career, um, even Marg's, I didn't used to call her Marg, right? I used to call her minister for the years that I would interview her, her connection with, with Rachel when she was 12 years old and seeing her come up and, and seeing a political career and, and what that moment was like when Rachel would ask Mark to join her. Not, you know, you know, she's an elected MLA. She earns that on her own. But, but then the premier decides who's in cabinet and what a special moment that was. Mark tells the story in uh, our episode of Real Talk. If you missed it, uh, that was our episode on January 17th. It was one that you, you definitely want to check out. Uh, also love this note. People are saying, we got to book this Lewis Rossman guy on the show said he'd be a great guest this is the guy that's fighting John Deere um, I don't know anything about him I'll definitely check out his videos and of course we'll get him on we love um, you know stuff like this these conversations continue right one interview begets another interview begets another one and and we keep these continuing conversations which is great talking about groceries and talking about shopping local you know there's mm-hmm. no grocery store in the province of Alberta that's more committed to that than Friesen Brothers ever since they were established you know they're coming up on their 75th anniversary not quite they're a couple years away uh but at 1955 they opened in hinton they've got 16 locations now across the province still uh family owned unbelievable uh and they're going to be 17 uh, once they open in west edmonton coming up in just a few months can't wait to give you details on that friesen brothers understands that the best food comes from as close to the grocery store as possible and they're always sourcing out the freshest produce the best alberta raised proteins Everything. I mean, the honey selection at Friesen Brothers. They keep their own bees on the roof of their South Edmonton store. What other grocery stores doing that? None of them is the answer. And they've got some great options available right now for comfort food. Check out the recipes link at Friesen.com. And you can learn more as well about the future of Alberta food. This event that they're presenting in conjunction with Nate celebrating the culinary creators of today and tomorrow. All of it available at Friesen.com. If you're thinking of a big landscaping project coming up in the spring, or maybe it's just a quick fix. Maybe you just need to get your drainage sorted out or get that retaining wall sorted. You know, we all know that one person that tried to build their own retaining wall by nailing a bunch of two-by-fours together stacked up. Is that not how you do it? And it looks like it's about to collapse. We all know that person. Tell them about Eden Landscaping at landscapeedmonton.ca. You can check out their portfolio and see more about what they do in the wilds, in Edmonton and surrounding area. For more than 20 years, they've been bringing outdoor spaces to life You can contact them and get that design conversation started on their website. That's landscapeedmonton.ca. And speaking of this cold weather and some of the messes that come along with it, obviously we hope that none of you are dealing with burst pipes or flooded basements. But if that is the case, time is of the essence and you don't want to mess around. The longer stuff sits there, the more a reality black mold is. The team at Complete Care Restoration is certified to deal with all of this stuff. They've got more than a quarter century of experience restoring your property and rebuilding your peace of mind. They built our studio for us. We would trust them with our next project guaranteed. And so can you find them online at completecarerestoration.ca. 
Coming up on tomorrow's episode of Real Talk, as you know, on Fridays, we present our Real Talk Roundtable. We hope you'll join us uh, in partnership with the Alberta Chambers of Commerce. We're going to be talking to business innovators and leaders. We're going to get a sense of what the financial outlook looks like on an individual level. For entrepreneurs, small and medium-sized business owners, and then those that are talking right at the top levels of government. We're going to talk taxes. We're going to talk rates of borrowing. We'll talk trends in downtowns, rural areas, and elsewhere. It's a Real Talk Roundtable you won't want to miss. In the meantime, thanks for hitting like on this episode and telling your friends. We'll see you soon. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook-Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.